Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Nathan Stewart and I'll be your host for yet another Premier League show. As always, a lot to get through. Um, I feel like I say that every week, but uh, you know, never short talking points in the in the Premier League. Uh, with me tonight, we've got Johnny. How are you, Johnny? I am great, mate. It's always a pleasure to be back. Good evening, gentlemen. Top man. And we've also got Jamie. How's things, Jamie? I'm absolutely fine, Mason. Thank you. It's been feels like it's been ages since we've been doing been, been back on this pod. It's that FA Cup, isn't it? It's that FA yeah. Cup ruins it. Um, there is actually a few uh, replays taking place tonight, but uh, we'll we'll just dive right into the, the Premier League action. Um, Johnny, I'll start with you then with the with the early kickoff uh, Saturday, which was a uh, I thought I've really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good game. Um, let's start with. Uh, talking about Spurs um, and, and Richarlison uh, getting a double. Um, he plays at Goodison Park. He looks like a completely, completely different player. Um, and I thought he had, had a good game. But um, Spurs will be disappointed the way that obviously conceding so late on. And, and this is going to be the problem, I think, with the Spurs team. They're, uh, the way they play, we've seen that with Ange. But um, yeah, they'll be really disappointed not to get the three points uh, on, on Saturday. I think they would have expected the three points, mate. I think a lot of people did. But on Richardson, yeah, yeah, he had a great game. Yeah, returning to haunt the old club, it's pretty typical, isn't it? It seems to always happen. Um, and to be fair, I, I don't think I've seen a player show that much respect when he scored. It was almost like he felt bad about it. Uh, but his goals were outstanding. Both of them were such good finishes. But, I mean, is it two points drop for Spurs? Like you say, they, are, they do like to concede. I was actually thinking about that earlier, about Spurs in general, I mean, what they're hoping to expect. But, I mean, over the draw, I think a point probably worked out okay. It was probably fair-ish. And Everton, for one thing I will say for them, is they don't know when they're down. 
they, they keep going. They're very dogged. They're a very hard team to, you know, they're, they're physical. And that's typical Dice, isn't it? That's that's basically how he builds his teams. And we're seeing more of that than ever. And, I mean, it has done them favours, considering they've been docked 12 points. But it could be far worse for them. It could, and, and, and that brings us nicely, Jamie, onto to the Everton side of things. Uh, Dash, um, he, he's, it's hard to argue, really. I think it was just over the years since he's, he's been in a job, he's, he's definitely made them uh, harder to beat. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought I'll, I'll ask both of this, but do you think they'll, they'll, they'll beat the drop? Um, obviously, there's another charge going through, but do you think they've got enough in them to, to stay up? I think I think there's two things to I think there's two things to kind of look at uh, from Everton's performance. I think you see the best of Everton of what they what they're about this season, but you also see the worst of them. You know the goals that they conceded were pretty poor. You know Pickford doesn't normally make those kind of mistakes. Um, Richardson's second goal was an absolute peach. When was the last time Richardson scored a goal like that at the edge of the box? He normally scores the inside of the box. The the you know tapping at the back post. He's he's doing well. He's on nine this season, I think. But if you look at Everton's goals in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, in the last seven games, they've scored four goals and two of them were on Saturday. So the, you you could say that arguably, you know, um, but but sorry, but from them, they've only lost one of those, two of those games and one of them was in the cup. So it's the picking up points as much as they are, as much as they're probably not winning and scoring goals, the, the defence, I think, is probably the, the main stake, which is, what you associate with Dice, you don't associate free flowing football. It's make him rigid, make him more difficult, and that's what he's done. Um, he's getting. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm really impressed with the lad Bram- Bramford. You know, he's such a young lad. He's an absolute unit of a player. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody came sniffing for him at the end of the season, based you know on the on the fact that they've got FFP issues. But um, you know, you would anticipate there's probably a bit of a sale there. But I think he's been really good. Mikalenko has, has, has been stalwart for them. And I think the weekend was the first time Coleman hadn't played in about six weeks, um, you know, starting. So they've had a very rigid um, back line that has obviously done good for them. Um, but going to your question, they're currently sitting on 19 points in the, in the third bottom position. If you add those 10 points back onto them, they'd be up to, tw- they'd be up to 12th position. That's probably a more accurate reflection of how their season's going. But the 10 points is a bit of a crippler. I personally think they'll get out of it. However, if there is another charge that is done within this season, which I know is a bit of a talking point, that might be the edge that sends them over because, you know, if, let's just say they get another five points or something, then, you know, that puts them, that puts them at, you know, 18th, uh, sorry, 19th in the, in the table. It's so hard. I think as long as they keep doing what they're doing, then they'll get out of it. Um, the fact they've got Calvert Lewin back now hopefully gives them some kind of um, some kind of coordination up front, um, but I think the key's going to be their defence if they if they can hold out teams. Um, sadly, though, they do have Manchester City at the early game this weekend um, at City, so uh, I'll leave it to you to think if they'll get anything from that. But if you look at like their next fixtures, for example, um, you know they, they they do have a bit of a tricky run um, coming up, but they've got I think they've got City, they've got City on Saturday. Then they're, they're at home to Palace, they're away to Brighton, they're at home to West Ham, they're away to Man U. So they don't have like, you know, they're not playing these six pointers. They've 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 got a lot of games where people won't expect nothing to get them from get anything from. Those are the games that they're actually picking up points. Do you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I I'd go back to your question. Yes, I do think they get out of it. However, if they do get hit with another charge, it depends on how much that charge is, really. 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point there about Bram Fight as well. I, I've been impressed every time I've seen yeah. him. I, I remember watching him last year um, in the in the in a game we played against PSV in the qualifiers, and um, <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was surprised to see see him. I thought he was really really good in, in the uh, in the away game, but I just <clears throat> yeah surprised ever and let him go out alone. And, and I do think he'll he'll be one that that leads in the in the summer. Uh, Johnny, same question to you on on Everton. Um, do you, do you see them staying up? Do you see enough? Not just, I think you have to factor in the other teams that are around them. And my point being would be, I still think they're better than, than four, five, maybe even six teams. The problem is, is Luton are picking up points, isn't it? That's, that's, that's the thing. Luton are, Luton are playing the way out of it. Even, even if you say, um, let's just say for argument's sake, they got hit with another five point. For what we've been told that this charge is still to come is pretty much written. You know, it's in stone. Uh, it's they are going to be done for it. What they get done is the real question. Uh, they might say they've already been hammered. We do something else, heavy fine, whatever. Uh, or if they do hit them, I think it comes down. And I think Everton will truck away. They'll keep picking up points here and there. Even the fixtures that are coming up, taking away like the Liverpool game and stuff in Man City. But the ones in between, your West Ham, your Brighton, for example, they are completely erratic. There's a chance they get something for these games. A good chance. Uh, so I think it comes down to, like you just said, Mason, what's around them. Now, if you went back a couple of months, I would have said they'll be absolutely fine because Luton were that bad. Burnley still really haven't got going at all, and Sheffield, they're dog meat. So I think it comes down to how those teams just below them get on. So you're Luton, you're Burnley, Forest have been flirting a wee bit too much as well. How they go, I think that'll probably end up deciding it, where Everton end up. Now, I mean, if they were to pick up points and get start picking up form and Everton did get another hit, then there's every chance it could go down. And I'd be all right with that because I predicted it. <laughs> uh, just last question on, on, on this one with both teams. Uh, Jamie, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, with Spurs, what do you think is a, a realistic target for them uh, this season? Uh, and obviously, Ange, I feel like he's had a lot of love um, and any Tottenham fan that I speak to to down here, they uh, they absolutely love the style of play. They they love him, um, but obviously it's going to be another trophy this season. Don't see them going to win the, the Premier League. So what's what success for them, and, and and what where do you think they'll they'll end up? I think <clears throat> I think where they'll end up is where they're sitting right now, which is fifth. Um, I think you know the teams around them. You've got the. I I think <clears throat> I think Villa have got more about them. And I think Spurs are reliant on their attacking players. Um, you know, if Madison is able to stay fit, <clears throat> Richardson is going through a streak right now. Timo Werner's not, he, I think he's only had a couple of assists, but he's not really getting in the goals yet. Brennan Johnson scored a couple of weeks back, but then again has dropped off completely. So it's like, if Richardson doesn't score, who are they reliant on? That's where it becomes a challenge for them. Whereas you look at somebody like Villa, they've got, they're getting goals all over the team. So for me, I think Tottenham need to be making sure they get fifth. I don't think Tottenham fans will be happy with that because I think, as you said, the style of play, I think they're very... I think they're outside the box a little bit and think they should be a bit a lot higher than they are. Um, they've played some really good football, but you know, from a defensive point of view, they still have holes. Um, I, do th- I, do, I do want to point out how good Van der Veen was at the weekend. That lad is rapid, like absolutely rapid. There was a couple of times where, I, you know, the, the tacker, I think it was Jack Harrison, who's rapid himself, 
has got a two-yard head start on, on Van der Veen and he absolutely burns him for peace. See if they can hone him, you know, into you know a more bigger, you know, a better unit. He's going to be absolutely outstanding. It's his partner. I'm not too. I'm not too. Um, you know, ad- admiration of Romero. I think he's just a, he's like a walking axe man. He just he's just wielding that foot every time he goes in for a challenge. You don't know, but and, and that's what I mean. Like if you go back to your question, how many red cards have they had this season? How many yellow cards have they picked up? Stupid ones. Um, you know, uh, Basuma. Um, Romero, Udoji, they, they, they've all had them. Um, so I think they are very much in between of very good attacking, but need to start keeping the clean sheets. You know, we said earlier that Everton really weren't scoring goals. They'd scored two in the last six before the game, and they conceded two goals against Everton when they pretty much had that game wrapped up, if you if you like. So I think that's I think that's Tottenham's level at this moment in time, is they are pushing as a top five team. I think it'll be. I think it'll be an unsuccessful season if they drop out of the top five and finish outside the top five. I don't think anybody expected them before the season to win a cup. So the fact they're not in the cups, I don't really hold any weight to it. Um, I think they need to get. They need to get within that top that top five. Um, they're currently sitting there. Excuse me. I think they're six points ahead of Manchester United at the moment. So I don't see Manchester United catching them. I really don't. But again, they're probably only a couple of inches away from a bit of a free fall, shall we say? So yeah, top five is, is is the right answer for me for them. Johnny, what's your thoughts on that? Do you do you agree? I I think that's probably what they they maybe not expect what they hope for. They had such a good start. I think they had Christmas in their eyes for a few months, uh, but it just isn't sustainable. I would put it down to for me where I would put them at is comes down to the squad. I don't think they have the squad depth um, like Jamie touched on with Villa there. I think the difference between them and Villa is Villa have, do do have good depth. Um, they have a good squad and they have a lot of talent to come off that bench and change a game. I don't think Spurs have that. Uh, I think they have to get it done with the first 11. I don't think they have a lot of impact players. I know they've still got some to come back, but I mean, that's, that's only one player. So if they keep three injuries, uh, I think they can make top five, yeah. And for me, that's a success. It's only his first season. He's got them playing nice stuff. They are improving. It gets a full transfer window after the season. Yeah, I think top five would be would be good for them. It's an achievement, I'd say. Yeah, I've got to agree with both here, but I do think they'll sneak into fourth. Um, you think you think they'll pick Villa? I do. I do. <laughs> um. But moving on, Jamie, uh, to the next one that was, I couldn't believe this, uh, Saturday, Newcastle 4, Luton 4. Um, what a game of football uh, this was. If there was ever a Kooten booster, poster, <laughs> this was it. Like, I don't know anybody that didn't have a Newcastle win in some form or fashion. If you went for 2.5 goals, you must have felt robbed that there was eight goals. But what a game. Like, absolute barnstormer. and But all for the wrong reasons. Like, Newcastle were abysmal uh, from a defending point of view, um, and then and then Luton were were abysmal from set pieces. At the, you know in the second half, um, the, you know rightly so. People like Ross Barkley are getting a lot of a lot of plaudits at the moment for the way that they're playing. Um, I I just think I just think Luton were worth it. Um, we've talked about Luton doing well in the last few weeks, but it's always been at home. 
but they went away to you know um, St James's Park and turned on turned on an absolute blinder. Um, very very surprised at the results. I'm actually really chuffed for them, like because you know Newcastle have been threatening to kind of get back into some kind of form, but they have so many injuries at the moment that um, you know I do see how really really struggling with that team, and I think the Luton game pretty much highlights that. You know they don't have much depth at the moment, um, and I think I think some some erratic decisions from a defending point of view. You know the penalty and things like that was just really poor from a, a defensive. The, the really missing, if you, if you think about it, the really missing Nick Pope. He's been out for a couple of months now, and they've you know Debravka's obviously stepped in. I can't think of a game where Debravka's probably had the same impact as what Nick Pope has had. He's you know he's been reliant on people like Trippier and and Fabian Shaw kind of helping him out. But yeah, I, th- I think I think there's more highlights Newcastle struggling than it is Luton doing be- doing well. But brilliant point for Luton to pick up. Absolutely, Johnny. Uh, lot to, to pick through there. Absolutely agree with, with Jamie. Um, I think I actually had Newcastle was uh, getting into the top four. My prediction, and that definitely <laughs> definitely isn't uh, happening. Um, really poor result for them, especially to concede four goals at home. Um, but obviously Luton, you know, surprising everyone. But what about the performances of, of Ross Barkley as well? I, I really didn't see that one coming. He was a player that I always thought had, had something, you know, ta- definitely a talented boy, but I thought his career was only going one way, but he's uh, he's proven everyone wrong as well. Absolutely. Uh, actually, in my notes, I highlighted Ross Barkley. He's been a wee while now. He's been consistent. He's been really good for them. Yeah, I think he's a big part of the reason the form's picked up. And you've seen it at the weekend there, he's, he's involved in some way with a key pass of virtually everything they do. Uh, I would agree, I thought he was he was going to end up maybe playing in Saudi or something like that, getting a getting a payday at the back end, but fair play to him. He's, he's kind of, I imagine he's took a step down in, in salary and stuff, and he's getting his career back on track. So I can only really commend him. And looting in general, it's, it's such a turnaround for them. I mean, pretty much, I think we all committed them to go down and I think most people if they're honest would have done the exact same thing uh, they don't have much resources at all they don't you've seen the players a lot of those players have been there for three seasons climbing up the leagues uh, and they're competing in the Premier League they are still going to lose a lot of games but they're giving themselves a fighting chance uh, and I, it's just something I did not see coming I mean the game itself was just absolute bedlam bedlam I mean it's kind of mad that's one of the mad things about it in the end you're saying Newcastle done well to come back and rescue a point you know, and that's really not what anybody expected at all, especially 4-4. I think another thing with Luton is they struggled for goals. Everything they were relying on was coming through Carlton Morris, usually for a, via a penalty. Um, whereas now they're getting goals through all over the pitch. It just seems to have clicked. I mean, I know a lot of time on the pod here recently, we've given plaudits to the gaffer. Um, he seems like a really down-to-earth, likeable guy. So I'm quite happy to see them doing well, mate. I don't mind that at all. Uh, I think uh, I don't know if they can stay up, mate. It's, it's a huge, huge ask for them. Like, I mean, they do have a thin squad, and they do have, like we say, they don't have anywhere close to the rest. But I mean, if they'd done it, it would be a fairy tale story, definitely. I think with Barkley, it's slightly different as well. He's, he's he's actually playing as a number six, which I never seen him do before. He's obviously played like as a more of attacking. He was at Nice, I think it was last year, wasn't it? And I'm not yeah. sure what role he was playing there, but I know he wasn't scoring loads of goals. So maybe maybe this revised, you know, uh, more defensive-natured role is probably more, more suited to him. As Johnny says, 
everything's going through him. He's the anchorman in the middle, and he's spraying these passes about. But you look at you look at um, Luton's last last ten fixtures. They only lost one of the last ten, and that was to Chelsea. Remember the remember the big three two on the thirtieth of December. So they've turned it around. They've put the scoring goals as well. They just need to keep that going, don't they? Um, the but I think Barkley's a massive big. It's, it's it's the change in position that I really like on Barkley. He's uh, he's playing himself into a into people's minds because he's 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 more active as a defensive midfielder. I'll tell you what will be. He's probably still trying to get the taste of Chelsea out of his mouth. It's took a couple <laughs> of clubs and he's finally like, you know what, I can play. I don't care what they say. And then we'll see them. Really frustrating with Ross Bartley because um, obviously coming for Everton, he's quick, strong, uh, good passer of the ball, both, you know, both footed, constrifable. Um, and uh, yeah, <clears throat> there's no doubt the talent was there. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see him. Um, They've got they've got a big game this weekend, so they're at home to Sheffield United, and because they're sitting in the fourth bottom position, this is like a sick pointer for them, but for a completely different reason. They don't want to get sucked back into it because see, after then, they've got arguably the worst one of the worst runnings. They're they're at home against Manu, they're away against Liverpool, and then they're away to Aston Villa. So um, you know they, they kind of need these points before that before that tough run comes in. But as Johnny says, I'm a big fan of the manager. I think he's done brilliant this year. He just seems so, so calm, um, uh, you know, and man of the people and all that kind of stuff. It's not, it's never them and us. It's always, you know, him as a him as a part of the family, if you like. I really like the way he talks. Yeah, he's done an unbelievable job. To be fair, even so so far didn't didn't see didn't see it uh, coming. Um, Johnny, I'm sorry to jump <laughs> with you at first to this one um what is going on Let, let's just this is concentrate on Chelsea just for both of you for, for, for the first few points because I think I always do something on this podcast when Wolves get a result and I'll and I'll be guilty of overlooking it and not getting the credit they deserve and Gary O'Neill so we'll come to that in a minute but but Chelsea uh, awful uh, I think I've said it a few times on this podcast it's just Really, really poor. Um, I don't see any signs of it getting any better, um, to be honest. And I think I asked this question, I think, a couple of weeks ago, but I'll ask it again. Uh, does Pops really get time here? I think the real question with that is, mate, can they afford not to give them the time? Uh, can they afford a severance pay? If what we're hearing and what's all these grumblings, they... Chelsea are going to be in trouble with FFP2. They never spent a penny in the closed window, which is not Chelsea. Uh, I think they are. I think they are shite in this. So I don't think they can afford to pay them off, mate. I think it'd be a huge severance pay. Um, the, the only thing I would say about it, right, I'm not going to say, you know, he has to go get them out. Uh, it's not been a lot of time. And I still believe firmly that Chelsea is a team who need a rebuild. And he's ripped up rebuild and stop that absolute tip spending money um throwing money everywhere and bringing in players just you know he's trying to bring in the best way absolutely no knowledge of how cohesion works on a football pitch and that's clear you can see that uh, and it's it's alarming so now the only reason he hasn't do, still doing it is because he can't because of this ffp so it's maybe a good thing for chelsea Whoever they bring in, whether you say it's a winner, I know Poch is not known for 
you know, raking in titles and stuff like that. But if you bring in another manager, realistically, what can a manager do with a team that's so far down the pit? I mean, the heads are so far down, it's terrifying. We have 220 million on two midfielders who were tipped to be two of the best youth midfielders uh, in the world. Both of them have been absolutely terrible. They hide for the ball. You got to say? You got to chip in? Sorry. No, no. Go, go on, Johnny. I'll, I'll come in. Okay. After. I thought you were going to count on me. Um, <laughs> they, help me out there. I thought he was going to say. <laughs> no, no. They, they, they're awful. They, they, they're they not in the game. You've seen it at the weekend. They do not try it back. It's half-assed. It's just like, as soon as they go behind, the game's done. It's lost. The only attacking threat I see in that team is for Palmer, Cole Palmer, who does. He runs his cell into the ground. They've let uh, Brogier go. Now, I'm not, I don't think Brogier was a fantastic player, but what I would say is you've got Nkuku there who's been completely injury prone. So if he goes out again, who's coming in? You know, I honestly don't know what they put up. They're going to put a false nine again because it's not been working. So they looked like they had picked up a wee bit, right? As in, not, I'm not saying they were challenged or anything. They just looked like they'd improved a bit. But then they go and do that the weekend and the week before. And it, it's exasperating, mate. The whole thing is just, it's, it's torture. It's torture. They're just, they're absolutely miles off it, mate. It wasn't a great game. It was an ugly game for a Chelsea point of view. It was horrible deflections, but even without them, they were losing that game. So I don't know where they go, mate, but I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think sacking Poch is that, even if they could afford to, I just don't think it's the answer. They keep throwing managers out all over the place and nothing has improved with that method. Joe, Joe, you, you <clears throat> make some really good points there. Joe, I mean, you just said that there, where you said about the, the midfield um, in, in Casado, Lavia, the money, the money, and, and Enzo, obviously. Yeah, see, I wasn't even including Lavia. I forgot about her. See, see, all three of them, right, have shown glimpses, glimpses of how good they can be. I think, obviously, Enzo was at the World Cup, and he was, don't get me wrong, he was very, very good. Casado uh, had a decent, not decent, he's very good at Brighton. Um, and and Lavia, six months at Southampton, but see, like, again, we've said it before, but see a short spell for two of them in the Premier League can can, can quickly make them, they're, they're, you know, I just think that that midfield is so inexperienced, and when I watch it, I think it's a big, been a big problem for, for Chelsea, and and you're absolutely right, there's no cohesion whatsoever. Um, you know, when I actually watch them, and, and, and Jamie, you know, Conor Gallagher wearing the the armband. I'm just like, what is going on uh, with Chelsea? I mean, see, see, at the beginning of the season, I thought Gallagher wearing the armband was a bit of cohesion for them because it looked as though he was the main man. Everything kind of went through him. He was telling people where to go. But my, my perception of that's completely changed. And I, I, I go back to the Liverpool game last week. Um, he was huckled at half-time because he was getting outskilled by by McAllister. He was getting nowhere near him. And anytime he did get anywhere near him, he was fouling. He was getting, he was walking a tightrope. That's the thing with Gallagher now. He's either going to get a yellow card or he's going to get sent off. You not you don't know if you're going to get 90 minutes out of him. And because of that, you've now got Enzo trying to do pick up and do something slightly different. Casado is probably it, you you go back to his Brighton days, and he was. He was a bit of a box-to-box midfielder. He was playing right back in some games and then transitioning to a, to a midfield. Chelsea don't want him to do that. They want him to just sit and anchor and do like the Claude McAuley. I'm sorry, that, that's hard for most people to do, never mind a youngster trying to find his feet and learn his trade. It's, 
it's it's madness what's going on there. Um, the bit I do have, uh, the do the bit I do, I, I completely agree with Johnny. You can't just keep going sacking managers, and, and there's got to be some kind of plan. <clears throat> the, the the other problem is is that the manager has to be culpable for some of it. He can't get a bass, and, and and I'll use examples like Levi Colwell. Levi Colwell is not a left back, but he's constantly played out left back. He's a he's, he's a left sided central defender. And he showed that when he was at Brighton last year. He showed that when he was in the England under twenty one tournament. I, I don't. I could. I could probably count on one hand how many times Chelsea have actually played him there. He's constantly rotating people like Desassi. Who's the lad that becomes a bad shield? Like you know, these lads are getting massively found out. It can't be good when Tiago Silva's tweeting about the manager at, at, at half time. You know, causing a bit of disruption. And that's before we even get onto the fact that there's no Reese James. Bed Chilwell's still kind of coming in and out. They're just riddled with so many, so many issues, shall we say? Um, I seen, <clears throat> excuse me, I put I put a graphic into our chat the other day because it just jumped out, and you know, just to kind of add a bit of context, Graham Potter was sacked after playing 23 games last season. They were in 10th position and they didn't did two points. Currently. Poch has done 23 games. He's in the 11th position and he's got a point less than what Graham Potter. Graham Potter was thrown to the wolves by the fans, by the team, by the, by the you know, the hierarchy. The, 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 the fact that Poch isn't getting half of that slack, shall we say, I find a bit baffling. And Poch has been, he's, he's been a bit snappy recently as well, isn't he, in his press conferences. He's been, uh, you know, biting back, if you like, about, about, um, he feels as though they're getting unjust media attention. I would argue they're probably not getting as off as much as they probably should. Because if you go back to Potter, Potter had them in the Champions League and was still doing things in the Champions League. Pochettino's not had to do that. So I do think there's still things that Pochettino has to answer for. But I do believe Johnny's right. You can't just keep going sacking um, and, and hoping it fixes itself. And from what I read, there is an issue with the FFP. That for him, him and his backroom, you're talking about another £15 million severance package. And then you'd have to go buy the next manager. So you could probably talk in £25, million. So they don't have that as part of the budget available to go into the next season. So I do believe there'll be an absolute massive fire sale at the end of the season. Whether somebody's going to pay ninety-seven million for Conor Gallagher, though, I don't think <laughs> the the Brozier one. I think the Brozier was touted at sixty million during the windows. Uh, sorry, during the window, and ended up going for a um, a, a, a fee. A, sorry, a loan fee of four million to Fulham instead. So, I do, I do think there's going to be a bit of a balance in the books. But yeah, Chelsea are a, a bit of free fall at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely agree with, with both of you, but no, I'm not Poch's biggest, um, biggest fan. Um, what, what I'd say, sort of, you can't keep sacking managers, but the problem I watch when I see Chelsea, there's no one there that, to me, it looks like he's improving. Um, and and Poch was the same, to be fair. And I think a sign of a manager or a sign of progress is you at least have a couple of players there that you go, do you know what? Yeah. He can get, you know, he's got something out of him. He's getting something out of this one. I don't see it at all. I, I just, I don't see it ending well. Whether you, you're right to say, Jamie Fanning's a fair play is stopping it from happening as well. But I just don't see the Poch being there next season. There's, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of rumblings online of Mourinho being touted to come back and John Terry going in as his as his understudy. 
that just sounds absolutely bonkers to me. But there would be no. no it would be very Chelsea, though, wouldn't it? It would be very Chelsea that that would happen, yeah, though. I don't think even he could do that, mate. I think there is something rotten to the core at Chelsea. We've seen it with countless players who are now world beaters who failed at Chelsea. We've seen that a lot of times. We've seen it now with the, the last few managers. They're very, they're far too trigger happy. I'd say the same way. Potter never got a chance really to build that team. The fans and that club need to realise that that club is in a huge transition. It needs cleared out. It needs a fire sale. It needs one badly. Um, and I don't even mean for FFP. I just mean because it is oversaturated with players, way oversaturated. And it's not going to change in a season. might not change in two seasons. Um, but I just don't see... Sack and Poch is going to make much of a difference. I'm not saying he's not got he's done bad or he's done well. Um, I don't think they've been anywhere near good enough. I think they've, they've looked shocking. There's no question in that team whatsoever. Um, and the manager, absolutely, you have to ask questions of that. Of course, you do. But I just don't see another manager coming in and suddenly all the players are like, yes, we can pick the tools up and get on with um, I think Gallagher, we were talking about him earlier, I think he genuinely hurts. You've seen it at the weekend there. He was he was angry. Um, and he, I think he does get frustrated and that's where the cards come from, but he's because of the team he's playing in and the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassiedo was great at Brighton. He, had, he did have a longer run, you know, a, consistent and looking really good. As you said, Fernandez was based 100 million on a four-week period but they go there and everything it's just like they look totally disheartened all of them so i'm taking nothing away from wills by the way because they were excellent but yeah i just i, I just don't see how Poch go and changes that and if so who did they get yeah jamie that that leads us on nicely to gary o'neill and wolves um big result for them as as johnny said they were they were excellent kuna with a hat trick um what a job Gary O'Neill's doing! I know uh, Graham couldn't make the podcast tonight, but he was—he uh, was never. Was it the famous? Uh, they're going down under O'Neill. Um, but um, well, the first, the first thing I'll say is Gary O'Neill would do a job at Chelsea right now. <laughs> I know John fell off his chair, <laughs> but yeah, what? Like, like, there's not much you can say apart from what a job he's doing. Like the performance he's getting out of some of those players, and I'll put Cunha in that because Cunha. Is not an out and out number nine. He really isn't. He's uh, he, he's he's more of a link up man. Um, and the fact that you know um, they've they've let two of their strikers go on loan, and they've got was it Hwang in the Asia Cup. He's proper stepped up. Do you know what I mean? Like he's 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 dogged. You know what? He, he reminds me. He reminds me of that other shit house bloody Neil Mopey. Like he's dogged. He's he's in every. He's in the refs here. Everything he gets fouled. He pulls people about. But for some reason, he's getting these goals as well, and and I think that's that's a tune to, from Gary O'Neill. You know, he's the, the performance he's getting out of some of these guys. It's got to be it's got to be uploaded because, to some extent, Wolves were taking on people, not because they were great, but they needed squad depth. I mean, you know, look at Mario Lamina. Lamina's well travelled, played for some really big clubs, Monaco, Juventus, ended up at Southampton two seasons ago. Um, and he's come in and he's arguably the Casado of last year in a Wolves team. He's been brilliant from it and he's chipped him with the odd goal or two. Um, even even the, 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 the Spanish boy that um, is up front that, that kind of couldn't get a game for PSG to Sarabia. Like, 
even he's putting in, you know, one of these kind of dogged, dogged performances. I just think he's getting a tune out of these players, and and it has to be commended because, yeah, there was a few people that wrote Wolves off, and I thought because of the financial fair play issue, they were going to be really struggling this year. But you would never believe it because of the way he's got them performing. Brilliant, brilliant performance from them at the weekend. Absolutely, Johnny. <clears throat> what's your thoughts on this? And I was actually thinking about it today. I was sort of getting ready to, to do the pod, but Wolves as well. I don't know. Thinking back to the podcast previous, even when they have dropped points or been beat, feels like there's been a lot of VAR decisions and it's been tight. But it feels like they've been in a lot of games this season, and um, yeah, big, a lot of credits going you. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I, I can't really remember that many times that they've been well beaten. You know, like Boston, I mean, there's probably been a couple, but nothing really jumps out. Um, they always seem to be in and about. They, they do have a really good attacking threat, you know, like Jamie touched on. I think all the plaudits really go on top of Neto, and he is excellent. But Hawang, I think he's been outstanding uh, when he has played. Uh, he was linking up really well with Neto, and now you've got Kunhas, who's chipping him with a lot of goals as well. Um, I mean, I can only really echo what he said. I put my heart, take my heart off to O'Neill because I thought they would go down. I thought they would, they were on a free fall, um, and he's done it with pretty much the same players really. Uh, there's not a lot of changes there. So, uh, I mean, they were, they were, like I said, they were really good. I mean, yes, it was a dejected Chelsea side, but you can't take anything away. I mean, they're away from home as well, um, and the whole game we could, they, they couldn't deal with. Couldn't have at all. He just absolutely bullied that Chelsea back line. And Neto was finding all kinds of space. And he's been doing that a lot this season. He always seems to be in acres of space. So, no, I think the, the future's bright for Wolves. Um, and I don't know where they are now. What are they? Pretty much mid-table? The 10th. The 10th. Yeah. They've scored. They've sc- I, the, the start I like is they've scored 37 goals and they've conceded 37. That's pretty yeah. unheard of from a Wolves perspective if you look at the last few seasons. They've been brilliant. Who, I, think the, the, I think the fans will be the same. What's his name? Is it Boomgarter? That, that young lad's he's rapid, isn't he? Um, he's, he, he comes on and, and kind of turns these games. And he, Neto's brilliant, though. I think no. Neto at Arsenal. I really do. Yeah, he's I think they'll, they'll, they'll have a fight to keep him. Yeah, he, he's been a massive standout for them. Uh, but, I mean, I think the fans will probably be surprised as well because I think they were kind of dejected that it was going to be a relegation battle. So, but like you say, you can only get plugs to that, mate. You know, we weren't exactly blowing uh, Gary O'Neill's trumpet, but he's he's pretty much sure they proved us all wrong. Absolutely, and <clears throat> I mean, I was reading about them trying to get a striker in, and they wouldn't pay. You know, I don't think they could get Danny Ings in because of a loan fee. Um, they couldn't get um, Broja because of the, the, the loan fee. We're talking three, three and a half, four million. Um, Chelsea for, wanted five million for Brozier, and I think it was based on five million if he if yeah. he didn't play so many minutes, and they just you kind of take gambles like that. And just to kind of put that in perspective, I'm right in thinking Joao Felix last season was a six million loan deal. So that's the kind of money that you're talking. That I think it may be more from. than that, mate. It's it's mad, isn't it? Remember, it says I think it was a higher figure, sure, that, but yeah, I'm sure, they, I'm sure there was. I remember reading something. It was like six million they wanted for a six six month loan deal for for Joao Felix, but yeah, wasn't yes. really. Yeah, no, we're on and Gary O'Neill. Uh, Johnny, uh, next game was um, Man United. Uh, we're going to touch on uh, Man United three 0 winners against uh, West Ham. 
Um, again, two sides to, to, to the story here. Um, that's the best I've seen Man United for a long, long time. But I'll sort of counter that and say West Ham were really, really poor. So, um, but what, what, did, what did you make of that? That that on um, Sunday was it was really comfortable in the end for, for Man United. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, yeah, I mean... Listen, I love to needle them, but they've, they've looked a lot better. Uh, I would say, especially going forward, they're far more ruthless. Um, that was the case really at the weekend. The, the, they're firing up top. I mean, the young lad Hoyland's getting in the goals now, so uh, I think his confidence will be sky high. Um, Garnacho gives them that that wee bit edge, that wee bit extra. I mean, Rashford's playing as well. He, For all he can be a wee bit off the boil, he, he is dangerous. Um so I mean they do have a decent lineup when when they've got a fully fit squad. To be fair to them, it just hasn't clicked, but it seems to be. Although I ain't going to be fully committed in in those credits because we've seen this a few times. They'll go through a few games and they'll look like you know they've turned that corner and then it'll fall away again. But I mean, so far so good, mate. They have looked good. Um, the I mean, like you say, West Ham. We, we I don't know if you watched the game. The last game week where they managed to get a draw, I think it was 1-1, they were absolutely awful in that game. Uh, I don't know how they managed to get a draw. They, they deserved absolutely nothing. I think they, they, they got their equaliser later on, if memory serves. Who was it? Bournemouth. There we go. Yeah, so, yeah they were uh, very lucky to come away with a point in that. So I thought they might pick up a wee bit at the weekend, yeah, look a wee bit better, but no, they didn't, not at all. So, yeah, as much as Man United looked a lot better, West Ham were very, very poor. But it's good for Man United in, in the terms of, we, we spoke about before how even though we were saying they were not great uh, and they were so passive and looked kind of slow, but they were still sitting like fifth or sixth in the league. You know, it's not like it was alarm stations. So now they're still round about there and they're picking up that form. Uh, they could easily climb that league. I mean, who knows where they'll finish, mate? You never know. Yeah, it's such a funny team, man. You know, they? I mean, they've had a lot of criticism, and I, I, I've been one of them. I think we've all <laughs> at some point on this podcast, but um, and they're still not out of getting top four. You know, I don't think they will. But, but Jamie, what was your thoughts on on Man United and uh, just a little bit more on on West Ham <laughs> as well? Um, they, Johnny's right. They were they were really poor against Bournemouth. I think that's three games in a row now where you'd expect them. Yeah, because they drew against Sheffield United before that, uh, where you'd go and expect them 
you know, I think uh, before the field have asked me the three games, I said that they can get seven points out of them three games and they've come away with, with two. Um, all isn't well at West Ham, though, at the minute. Um, as I said, this is a, a, a team that everyone around me supports. I'm actually going to the game Sunday against Arsenal, but um, I just can't believe that... The drop-off. Sorry, mate? The drop-off? You can't believe the drop-off that they've had? No, I just no, no, no. I can't believe that the, their support, the support is so. Once Moyes has a bad result, they all jump mm-hmm. on it, and and yeah. it, it, it's, it's mental, mate. Like West Ham in my lifetime have never been in Europe three years in a row. They've never won a trophy. This is the best for me. The best squad of players they've ever had, and yeah. um, all they've done, all they've done is mum. And this has been quite a long time, and, and it's getting worse and worse. And I just don't see him being there next season, regardless. Um, but. I just, I've said it already, but I'd just say be careful what, what you wish for. Yeah, well, I mean, if 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 you were to, if you were to, it's funny you should say that because there's two teams that that's been the common the commentary for the last five years, six years, and it's been be careful what you wish for, and that's always happened to Palace and West Ham, and they make changes and then it doesn't go the way they want and it ends up going a bit tits up and they drop and they free fall and it goes back to that same day. The two Peter, the two teams I would associate with that commentary of be careful what you wish for because they're the ones that actually do make these changes for not for no reason at all, but to appease fans, if you like. Um I, I do believe though that West Ham it's more it's more of an injury situation than it is anything else. You know, since they lost Paqueta, they really haven't put a shift in. Um, Kudos was away to the AFCON that was his second game back I think he came back for the cup game um, I expected a bit more from Kudos he didn't really get on the end of anything in the game and I think Bowen pretty much didn't have much to be fair but then again he doesn't have the service he's playing with and this is and this is the argument do you remember we talked about do you remember we talked about when Phillips signed for them and it was about well where does Phillips sit in because when you're playing James Wood-Prowse Thomas Solchuk and Kelvin Phillips that's massively defensive and then on top of that, you've got edit the uh, the new boy Alvarez, you know. So where is that creativity coming from? And and people will go, well, it's James Ward Prowse, and you go, well, really? Is that what you brought James Ward Prowse for? Because that's not what we labelled him as at the beginning of the season. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and that's what I mean. Like Paquette is massively different for that team if he's not in it. But you can't blame them when they don't have that creativity there. Now that could be a noise issue, but that could be also the team is just massively unbalanced. But for, for, for me, Jamie, yeah. I think with West Ham, um, I just see the sporting director, I can't remember his yeah. name, he's heavily linked with Liverpool at the minute, isn't he? Um, because, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's the guy that was key to the, the remember the, was it the Skamaka deal? Skamaka, he was the guy that wanted Skamaka out, and then at the beginning of the season, Moyes wanted, who did Moyes? Moyes wanted McTominay and Maguire, and this guy wasn't having it. He wanted Alvarez and Kudos, and lo and behold, these two are excelling at that club and doing really well. Um, but it, yeah. that, that's the thing. I see a broken relationship there in terms of what Moyes has sort of based it on in the last few years and then the way that the sporting director Nick, because as you said there you just said it all their defensive who who wanted Phillips was it the sporting yeah. director or or Moyes for me it screams Moyes because oh, 100% they need attacking players and they've gone yeah. and got another defensive midfielder so things just are not adding up there and I think it's affecting I think it's affecting performances to be honest I, I think with the Phillips like, with the Phillips thing it was a case of there was a chance of 
you know, a, a potential, uh, a prospect, really, who looked yeah. excellent. We don't really need them, but let's just take a punt. That's kind of the vibe I got for Yeah, but I think what you said is kind of right, Jamie, because Wolfie, oh, it, it wasn't really somewhere where they were desperate to replace, and it's almost like they're trying to fit them in to include yeah. them. And we've seen already two key mistakes, both leading to goals, and he's, he's not really played much. So he's not really off to a great start, the lad. But I agree with you on the Moyes thing, by the way. That annoys me as well because you look at the rest of the team as well. Like Bowen's not an out-and-out -out striker; he's a right winger, but he's been played up front. You've got Kudos, who's not an out-and-out -out striker, and he's playing on the left wing, but having to play up front. The, you know, you've got M Michael Antonio on Sky on the Sky Sports Monday Monday Night Football uh, this week talking about his best goals. Like, what's he done this season, really? I'm, I'm absolutely shocked he had the goal to talk the way he did on Monday about his best players. And you're like, this is a guy that's converted right back, right wing, striker, and probably hasn't done well for the last two years. And I, I'll, I'll always go back to, do you remember they did that podcast about about playing Liverpool at the beginning of the season, saying him and Calvin Wilson, Calvin Wilson, I think it was, saying now is the time to play Liverpool. And Liverpool absolutely booted him off the park and he, didn't, he got huckled after 40 minutes because he was so guff. That's their that's their striker, and then you go back to Danny Ings, who they were trying to offload at the end of the at the end of the window. Surely, those wages that are in a Calvin Phillips kind of deal, surely they could be more well attrition to get. But, but this this is another thing as well, Demi. You say that, but they've also just let Benarama go to Leon on loan, another forward player. This seems and, a weird one to me because like Benarama's an attacking winger. He probably is either the first person that's huckled off when he plays, or he's the first person to come on when they need an attacking threat. I don't get that one. And they yeah. lose the other one, Fornells. They let Fornells go. Who's the attacking threat? That's, that's the thing. It's something that's not right there. Something's obviously making those decisions, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, something, something's not, not right. And, and I said last week, Phillips is for me, you can never have enough good players. So it wasn't, <coughs> that, but you've got to have yeah. more, especially if you're letting two go. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's something's not not right there, but um, yeah. But I, I was I was surprised. I thought I expected more from them on Sunday, and not necessarily that they were good enough, but more. Um, West Ham have always been good for a goal at Old Trafford. I kind of fancied that one. Man United to win it, but maybe to concede as well. They didn't look as though they were going to concede at any point. Um, Man United pretty much had their number on Sunday. They really did. Um, the 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 one thing I did I said it to Johnny the other day as well is that. It's good to see Hoyland to start scoring because actually such a young lad, you don't want to, as much as what I like to take the mick out of Man United, you don't want to see him, you know, wilt if you like under that. The one thing I'll say though, each of his goals that he's scored have not been assisted. He's had to create them himself and do something with them himself. That's mind-blowing when you look at Ganaccio, Rashford, Bruno Fernandes. Remember that talk of people saying they're not getting the, the service to him? Well, that kind of backs it up. The only goals he's scored have either been break, broken down attacks that he's run onto the end of the ball, or a smash at the end of the at the end of, at the edge of the box. The goal he took, the goal he scored though on Sunday was brilliant. You know that the way he changed like feet it. and sweeped it into the bottom corner. I, I like him. I think. Yeah, yeah he, that, that was good. Yeah, no, I think he's got something. I think some of the criticism. Yeah. Uh, but Man United came away with that. With another injury, though, you know they've got an in another injury to Lissandro Martinez, who looks to be out for the next three or four months potentially. So, same old problems for them, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that is a blow. He's he, he's definitely made a difference. So, without that, Johnny, um, 
The next game I want to talk about is uh, Arsenal um, 3 or 1. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Uh, I'll, I'll come to you on the, the Liverpool side. But, Johnny, I want to come to you on the Arsenal side. Um, for me, this was a, a must-win game for Arsenal. Because um, I think if they lost to Liverpool, they'd have gone eight points behind. Um, and I think it was their form of late Arsenal. I think it was literally a, they had to win. And um, two things I'll say with that is... I think they deserved to win. I think they were the better team. Um, but what did you make of the celebrations from Arteta and Co um, at full time? It made Jamie Carragher and Jamie Royals fizzing. I can only endorse that. <laughs> so go on yourself, lads. Next time, do it louder. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing about you know the ball move with Tony when they're making a big deal. It's a lot of shite. If they're celebrating their win, right, and they go over the top, whatever, you have a bit of banter, you call them small crime, and you move on. Uh, if they've enjoyed their moment, let them have it. If Liverpool done the same thing, to be honest, I wouldn't blink. It just it, what matters is what happened in that 90 minutes. And if Jamie's honest, the Arsenal were the better team. They deserved to win that game, and I thought they won it comfortably, if I'm, if I'm honest. I didn't expect it to go like that. I thought we'd have a much, we'd have a barn burner. Um, I thought Liverpool might actually go there and do the job. But Arsenal were excellent. They really were. They were smooth. Their attacking was it was crisp. It was quick. Uh, the first goal was sublime. The team goal. Uh, Liverpool just couldn't get near them. Uh, and there was seemed to be they were fouling a lot more than usual. Liverpool as well. I think they just struggled a bit. Uh, and uh, to be fair to them, though, it's not like them. You know, they have been excellent this season. I think they've only lost two games out of them all. I think they're the they've lost the least games in the league actually. The only difference. The only reason the gap's not as much is because they've had more draws. So, but for an Arsenal point of view, no, I thought they were really, really good, mate. Um, it's only one game. Like you say, we've seen it happen with Arsenal before. The When it went to 1-1, I mean, at that point, Liverpool didn't even have a shot on target. You know, it was a big, massive deflection. So the goal came for the, the, the goal back came from absolutely nothing. But it didn't really change much of the flow of the game. It kind of stayed the same way. So I think it's a blip in the road for Liverpool. I do think they'll get past it. But for Arsenal, I thought it was a massive win. Like you said, they did need to win that game just to keep themselves positive um, and believe that they, you know, they can go again and they can do it. Those, those are the games you need to turn up in, and they did. You know, you, you can't really take that away from them. Um, but yeah, mate, it was a decent game. And obviously we've seen Trotsard back in the goals. We spoke about him last week. Can he keep going back in the goals again? So, yeah, big big three points for Arsenal, mate. Um, a good win for them. Obviously, Jamie will probably have a different breakdown of the game, but that's understandable. I, I absolutely agree with with, with, with you, there, Johnny. Um, and, and I've been harsh on on Arsenal um, for quite a long time, um, but credit where it's due. I thought they were very good, um, and I think they won. Personally, I think they won the midfield. Um, I can't remember the last time I watched Liverpool and didn't really pay attention to, to the midfielders because I, I thought, um, to be fair, when I see Jorginho starting as well, I thought all um, chance here for, for Liverpool. I, I, like you, Johnny, expected uh, Liverpool to, to, to go and win the game. Jamie, from a Liverpool point of view, it is obviously disappointing to, to lose the game, but but I, I still think that there'll, there'll be a response. Um, and, and maybe you'll look back on this and say that was the, the kick up the backside that, 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 um, that you needed. Yeah, absolutely. Johnny said it at the beginning. Um, 
if Arsenal hadn't, if Arsenal would have lost that game, they would have went eight points behind Liverpool. So they, that was a must-win in terms of what they needed. They needed that to kind of get back into contention. Um, the celebration stuff, I'm, I'm, I, I could talk all day about the rights or wrongs of it or whatever, and whether it's justified or not. But I don't want to take away the fact they they, they beat us. They literally beat us fair and square. I don't think they did anything magical um, apart from, um, I think there, there was an incident in the first half that you sat back and went, fuck. And it was the, it was Martinelli, absolutely Don Canati out on the left wing. I think there was a break from the halfway line and Canati got caught a yard behind. Canati caught up Martinelli and then Martinelli, by the time he got to the, gets to the box, He's about three yards ahead of him. Absolutely doesn't. He just doesn't do nothing with the end ball and it goes out for you just think he's going to be in for a tough afternoon if that's how it's going to go. That was the only time Martinelli managed to get that because Canati changed his game. Canati, as Johnny said, started to get more rough. He started to get the, the tackles in, get a few free kicks. Unfortunately, he's left on his own. You know, Trent's trying to play this inverted midfielder slash right back and it exposes Canati a little bit. It's a struggle when you're up against people like Martinelli, you know, who's nothing but rapid pace. Um, so I, I do think they had Liverpool's number in some areas of the pitch. Um, I, you know, the second goal was an absolute screamer from an Allison point of view and a Van Dyke point of view. You know, that's arguably your captain and your vice captain on the pitch who are not taking control of that. Van Dijk gets a little nudge from Martinelli that puts him off. But Van Dijk's meant to be one of the biggest, most solid defenders in the league. You can't use that as an excuse. Like, that's not a nudge. You know, it's literally a brush. It's not It's not a, a foul or anything like that. And if and if Allison's going to come out that far to take the ball, he's got to take the ball. Why he's trying to, you know, cushion it to then, that makes no sense at all. So that one is completely on them too, in my, my eyes. Um, so, you, you know, you're putting it down to an individual mistake. We're then chasing the game. We've made loads of changes. And then Trossard, who who's a, a talented little player. I really like Trossard. I know we spoke about him last season and going into this season. He's not, a, he's not a starter for Arsenal, but he's brilliant for squad depth. He did exactly that. He comes on and he puts it through Alisson's legs. It's not many times you can say Alisson gets it put through his legs, but he just he's just had an off game, you know. Um, so Arsenal were very, very much deserved winners. There was a couple of things for me. One was our best player out of the team was probably McAllister. And that's saying something because he had the ball taken off him a couple of times in the first half. He keeps trying to do this transitional turn from defence into midfield and see when he's put pressure on, you know, which Arsenal did, which is what you said, Jorginho, Odegaard, they just they swarmed him. There's not much he can do with that. Um, Trent got a bit of a pass. He was taken off after about 60 minutes. They changed the left back. They changed, you know, we just tried anything really to get back into the game, and it just didn't work. Um, I said, I said, I start, you know, before the beginning of the, the pod that, you know, there's only there's four games that we've, that, you know, we've we've not that, that Nunes has not started that we've not got something from. I think he's pivotal to the way we attack at the moment, and and it's not because he's tremendously amazing. It's because he's absolute chaos. You don't, as a defender, you don't know whether to run with him, whether to stand off him, whether to go with him, whether to you know pull him down. He's absolute chaos. He gets in about it. Gakpo doesn't have that same effect. Gakpo's more of a defensive hold-up player that likes to link in the wingers. He just couldn't get into the game on on Sunday. Really couldn't. Um, I thought it was poetic justice that Gabriel did an Odegaard. If you go back to the game 
when Odegaard handballed the ball and you know basketballed it and never got the penalty. Gabriel basketballed it into his own net and got us back into the game at the end of the first half. But that was not anything because we did anything. It was literally, you know, it was it wasn't even a shot on target. So yeah, Liverpool went to the races on Sunday. I do believe it's a kick at the arse. There's no way we were going to go to the end of the season and not drop a point. It's just not going to happen. The one thing I'll say is this is the time that you don't start to drop points because City go on this crazy 15-run win, uh, you know, charge now that's been talked about. The game on, was it Monday night? That was game number 15. So they they, they went behind, they came back. This is what happens now. So um, now's not the time to start dropping points. Now's the time to kind of buckle down and get on it. We need to get players back from injury. Lately, Robertson playing well. Um, so Bosley is going to be up for a couple of weeks. I was massively happy Thiago got on the pitch finally. So if Thiago gets more minutes, I see him being a positive impact on the team. We just need to get Salah back into the team now as well. So um, there's a few games coming up where I would expect Liverpool to bounce back. I think we've got Burnley at the weekend. I expect Liverpool to bounce back. Um, and get back on it and it becomes I, I still don't see Arsenal in the race though I really don't I still see it being Liverpool and City and that's not a discredit to Arsenal but um, you're telling me Arsenal can't lose any more points before the end of the season they're bound to lose points as well so I just think I just, I just think they're not going to be in it so they can celebrate that they've won the league but they can still sit in third two days later so that's on me that's me finish that bit thank you very much <laughs> oh my god there Quickly, really quick, brief counters, right? One, I will say about Van Dyke, and I've called this before. Now, I like Van Dyke. I think he's one of the best defenders in the league on his day, but he can be lazy. That kind of, maybe not lazy, just too laid back. And that, with that goal, that was too confident. Yeah. He came yeah. back, he ran, he followed him back, but it was like, that's ah, under control. He never really yeah. read the yeah, situation. Yeah. And, and Alisson wasn't really sure what was going on. I think yeah. that's what led to it. And the second one was Jorginho. I mean, he he was outstanding, and I think he see that. Get, honestly, he gets a lot of slate, and he's got a bit at Chelsea as well. But he was when he was on, when he played, he didn't really do a lot wrong. But if you don't play him every game, and you put him into a game like that and say, "Look, I want you to cancel out McAllister or go yeah, and cancel yeah. out Diego Jota," he is one of the best at doing that. He's a royal yeah. pain in the ass, and he done that on Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Sorry. Do you remember yeah. he did that last season? Or do you remember there was that crunch one between Arsenal and Man City? And there was that, he should have been sent off but never got the second yellow because mm. he was proper huckling the midfielder. He plays like that once or twice a season, doesn't he? And I think that was pretty much evident on, on Sunday. He, yeah, he just put on a shift and he was really good for it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and that leads us on nicely, Johnny, for uh, Man City. Uh, 3-1 winners at Brentford. Um I thought they were, even when Brentford went 1 0 up, I still thought Man City have got a few in them. Foden gets the hat trick um, and he was he was brilliant. But then you're looking at them now, you're seeing Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch, Haaland on the pitch, um, Bernardo Silva, uh, Alvarez. This is Man City's time where they start to really turn the screw. Um, and that's what they've done on Monday night. Yeah, you've just read my notes off my sheet. You want to just skip <laughs> past me? Pretty <laughs> much what I had written down. Uh, mate, I just agree with what you said. Uh, that's, I think that's probably a wee bit testament to them that they've been missing Haaland, they've been missing KDB, they've had a couple of other injuries, but they've still 
they're still in it, they're still there, they're still very close. And they've been looking in recent weeks, they've started to put a wee bit. That's before KDB and Haaland came back in. Um, it just adds to their strength. And for me, KDB, when it comes to clinical key passes, I think KDB, if he's not the best in the world, he is very close. He, he is up there. Um, I don't say that lightly, but his ability to pick out a pass from next to nothing, a key pass, is, is, is terrifying. And he done it again at the weekend there. I think uh, was it was Foden's first. It was outside of the boot assist. It, it's just it's ridiculous. Um, Haaland looks off it. He, he's he's got a bit to do. It was when he came off the week before. He was only on for the last twenty minutes, and he was yards off the pace. He looked a wee bit sharper at the weekend, but to be fair, he never got a sniff. For all Man City dominated the game. He only had one clear chance, but. Like you say, this is their time. Um, maybe not quite there yet, usually, but when they start, you know, that they start to puff, really, and they are very, very difficult to catch. So, yeah, who, I mean, yeah, there's other teams above them and they have to be on their shout, but it's so, so hard to see past them when they get into that gear. Uh, I, I don't see many teams getting uh, stopping them. I really, really, really don't. I think they're going to punish a lot of teams. Absolutely agree, Johnny and uh, Jamie. I know obviously you'll be hoping that they do uh, have a few more uh, slip ups, but it, it is really, you know, when you look at them, it's tight still, don't get me wrong, but they, when they do get going, I, I think it's hard yeah. to disagree that they're the best. I, th I think. Go back to last season. I seen a start last season. It was like the last fifteen games. They won fourteen and drew one. They they put that kind of performance in, and they're very capable of doing that now. And you know, and people are expecting that now. My only counteract to that was, is last season they had a second string of Mares, Gundogan, you know those kind of players. They don't have that now. The only player that's potentially missing from that lineup that is on that level is probably Jack Grealish. He's not getting a look in right now because Doku's playing, uh, Foden's playing, Bernardo Silva. So they pretty much have their best eleven. Where they've done well this season, they've got they've got um, performances out of people like Rico Lewis and remember who was the young lad that scored against Newcastle? Was it um, oh, Bob or something? The Norwegian lad, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bob. Like, how many times are they going to really call on these kids come the end of the season? Mm -hmm. So I do think there's points to drop within City. Where it comes though is going to be crazy because I think they've got some good they've got some big big fixes coming up. I think they play they, they travel to Anfield on the 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 tenth of March, which could be one of those ones that not decides it, but could be the staple of you know who's on charge going into that. But before they play Liverpool, they're at home against Man United. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of like not that they're always going to get something from that, but. I just find if I was to try and draw on anything, they don't have the squad that they had last year um, where, you know, they, they had goal scorers all over the park last year. Um, they don't kind of have the same squad depth this time. It's more youth that they're relying on. So do they have it in them? Yes, absolutely. Um, but I don't think they go... I don't think they do 14 games... I don't think they've won 14 and draw one this time. I think it's going to be a bit of a, there's going to be a loss in there somewhere. It could, you know, they, they had that loss against, was it Wolves, which nobody saw coming. It could be something stupid like that, that, you know, people expect them to turn up and, and, and you know, win. Um, 
So yeah, I would I put do, any I of the top do. three in that, mate. Sorry, I would put any. I would put any of the main challengers, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. I'd put them all in that bracket. I think they're all yeah. going to drop points. No, I, 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 I completely agree. I w- you know, Liverpool would be the most Liverpool thing to do would be beat City, go joint top, or go back to a point ahead, and then fucking lose the next week against someone, somebody else, and you, you know, back to square one again. For Liverpool, it's about it's about the Klopp farewell tour kind of thing. We know how well we can do. For City, it's about the was it the fifth title in a row? Nobody's ever won five in a row, so this is them going for their fifth. But you've also got to factor in the European football for Liverpool, Arsenal, and Man City as well. So uh, it could be a big factor. That's just dawned on me how disappointing that is because we done had a mid a midweek a game week. We skipped one pod and we missed Klopp leaving, and Jamie was in a fit of depression. It's only taking me to get over We didn't cover that properly in our pod. I even came up with a title. The title would have been as Vida saying, and it's a way we've lost it. <laughs> when I seen you sent the agenda out today, I'm like, oh, thank God he didn't put Klopp in there. I'd, oh. I'd, I'd start crying again. I can't, I can't we'll add we'll that in at the, the end of the season because I think he deserves a, a good section of, of one podcast. Uh, with, yeah, at the end that. of the season, when it's Liverpool v Leverkusen, the Europa League final up against Xabi Alonso, the, pre- the predecessor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Johnny, uh, to, uh, just before we coming to the last point uh, other game for the weekend Sheffield United Neil Aston Villa 5 Brown 1 Palace 4 uh, sorry Brown uh, Palace 1 Brown uh, I'll start again <laughs> Brown 4 Palace 1 uh, Fulham 2 Burnley 2 and Bournemouth 1 Forest 1 next week we'll, we'll definitely spend a little bit of time talking about Crystal Palace and Aston Villa we just ain't got time this week uh, but the point I want to finish on uh, Johnny is the new profit uh, sustainability uh, rules, which um, I think we're all in agreement here um, that this is definitely favouring the, the big clubs. Um, not been confirmed yet, uh, I believe, but but what's your thoughts on on this so far? So this, so this is more a question that's been proposed to the clubs, isn't it? As opposed to what you know, yeah. the clubs that still have to vote on it, and but it's just <laughs> mental that this is the question that's going to be used. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what they're tabling as a proposal. Yeah. Before anybody gives an opinion, but yeah, I mean, I said the, the information on it is still kind of sparse, but from what I read and from what I watched, only thing I could take from it was pull the ladder up, Jack, and saw the rest. It's okay. It's other leagues do it. Spanish football's terrible for it. Um, we're not a uh, immune to it up here either, but they do pander to the bigger teams. Uh, they do buckle to them. So for what I'm seeing in this is it just looks like we're going to market it so that the bigger clubs can spend more money because obviously their revenue is a lot higher. If you're in a lower club, you're not going to any, like, like let's take Luton, for example, their revenue is going to be a packet of biscuits. So how are they supposed to enforce their team? How are they supposed to bring in players? Uh, none of it makes any sense. I don't see any fairness in it. That would be the simple way to put it. Um, maybe we're missing something, maybe something else will come out in the wash regarding it. But if it is exactly as we've heard, then I can't it can't go ahead. It can't go ahead. All you're going to do is create the gulf's already huge between so let's just say, I don't know, top five, top six in terms of spending compared to anywhere bottom half of the table. The difference is, you know, it's astronomical. And all that's going to do is increase it. That's not going to benefit the league. That doesn't 
bring in more competition or make it more competitive. It just does the complete opposite. You just have more of the same teams are going to be dominating because they can go and spend more money. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's exactly how I see it. And I'll be surprised if, um, you know, the rest of the, the clubs, uh, do, you know, do, do fancy this in terms of the, the smaller club. day. what's your thoughts on this? Is it? Much the same as so, so I think I think the key factors to, to you know for those that either do or don't know, I think the key factors are if you were to try and summarize it up, the current FFP rules within UK or within the English league is you allowed losses of up to 105 million over a three-year period. And that's what we've seen in, in place at the moment. What the proposal is essentially doing is allowing you to rip that up and allow you to spend up to 70% of your income on transfer fees, wages, player agent fees, which then completely changes the dynamic for how financial fair play works. So if you are a Man City and you're earning a billion pound a season, you can essentially spend up to 700 million per season on, on, on well, not opposite or whatever the window will be on your team, as opposed to Luton, who's probably generating 200 million a season. You could probably only, you know, allow a fraction of that to go into you. So, it's it's massively one sided, you know, and it favours the bigger teams even more than what what FFP does currently. My concern would be FFP's working. We've just seen the worst window for transfers ever in the Premier League because of FFP. We've just seen clubs finally being sanctioned because they're falling out of FFP. Where's the need to change it? Well, the need to change it is because the clubs are not happy with the paltry, shall we say, um, punishment. Because it's only up until now that they've started to dock points. Beforehand, teams were getting fee fines. So you're going to give a club a fine that's overspending. Well, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to pay the money. So it doesn't really work. But this season is probably the first time anybody can put their hand on the heart and go, FFP's working. So why the need to change it means it can only be coming from people that want to spend more money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I get Luton will want to spend more money, Newcastle will want to spend more, more, more money, but it definitely makes it harder for, I mean, look at Newcastle. Newcastle will be a perfect example. Newcastle have got more exposure now, but they won't be at the same exposure as Liverpool City and Man U and stuff, you know, straight away. So they still won't be able to spend the money that they want to spend because they yeah. won't be able to spend 100%. Yeah, here's a counter. Um, not saying I agree with this. I'm just thinking it's a possible mentality of it. Not the clubs, but the the FA and your executives and everybody that's at the head. They want the best players in the world in the Premier League. That's what generates money. So if all these clubs aren't spending and they're having to sell players, interest drops in the league. The big stars that people want to see aren't going to be flooding here because nobody can buy them. That could create a problem. Um, I'm not saying FAP isn't working. We are, like you said, everybody's pretty much shitting themselves, um, as we've just seen with that window. But if that continues, then I can see the the money men, the people who bring the money in and spend the money that's earned by these clubs, uh, they're going to want those players in as well. And they might be tweaking rules to suit that. I mean, that's just a theory, but mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of adds up. Yeah. And if you go, you know, you look at across the world right now, how many world-class players are not in the English Premier League? You could probably put on 
one, maybe two hands, the, the kind of names that you would want in the Premier League that are just not. So 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 the best players are in the Premier League so far. It's it doesn't need to get bigger though. It just needs to maintain, you know, what it's what it's doing now, if you like. The problem is, is that the half of Europe is bankrupt at the moment. Spain looks as though it's about to ready to fall. The Italian is, is you know, they they found they've been diddling the books um, to some extent. You know, I think Inter Milan are facing bankruptcy at some. You know, the Premier League's not quite like that at the moment. It's it's stocking up, but I don't see players going elsewhere to to fill that void of of. I think the money's still in the English Premier League. I I do believe this is a play of the ownerships, your Americans and your Saudis that that want to spend more money and this is how they're gonna do it. Because mm. if they're allowed, you know, even Liverpool, if Liverpool are allowed to spend 70% of their own revenue, that that greatly increases their opportunities to go out and spend right now. Now I, as a fan you would go brilliant, but at the same time, not at the detriment of the rest of the finances, I would rather, you know, it was still handled the way it the way it is. So yeah, I'm definitely not in favour of it. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one if that goes through, if the clubs vote that one through. The English are only diddling the books. Everton have just been diddling the books. Chelsea are <laughs> definitely diddling the books. City actually ripped the fucking book up and wrote a new one. You're having a laugh, mate. <laughs> five books into shadow books and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, Johnny. Absolutely. Um, gents, I think that's a good time as, as any to, to wrap it up there. Um Lovely to do it. Thank you both. So, uh, Johnny, thanks for tonight, uh, mate. Look forward to, 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 to getting more in next week. Absolutely. Thank you, mate, and Jamie, and thank you to the listeners. Absolute pleasure, as always. Top man, and thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much, Mason. Um, I will be the first to, you know, scream on the pod next week when Everton pull off a 2-1 victory at Manchester City and Liverpool win at home against Burnley and I will sing Everton's song <laughs> as the intro music just to, if, if, if they were to pull that off. But no, it's always good to catch up on the on the, on the the football, at least. Thanks for having me on. Top man, as always. And thanks, listeners. We'll be back next week for another game week. As always, take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.